doing a few lessons here on Wednesdays uh, this month on the topic of Bible study. And this is a favorite to personal topic of mine. And last week, I hope I brought forth the importance of why the Word of God is so valuable to us. You cannot say that enough, that we get that. Um, you know, people used to say years ago, gosh, if you had to run out of the house uh, in an emergency, what's the first thing you would take with you? That was easy, my Bible. Because that's where I had all my notes. <laughs> I wanted my Bible first. Maybe then I'll grab the, uh, the important papers, but the Bible came first to me. It, it, we cannot put enough emphasis on the importance of the Word of God and how we should treat it. So tonight I want to bring a very nuts and bolts approach to studying our Bibles. And when we look into them and study them, we're going to be looking at some uh, basic Bible translations that are out there also. Some people have requested that, you know, what, what translations are, are good to read, etc. And uh, there's a lot that can be said on this topic, but tonight I want to look at these basic approaches and then delve into the study of the Word of God. Maybe we should pray right now. Father God, we just invite Holy Spirit to be our teacher, that Lord God, we would leave here with an encouragement, Father, to uh, study your word, be in your word, know your word, Father God, have it on our lips, have it in our hearts. And we thank you for this, Father, in these days ahead, that we would be a people that are keen on studying the word of God for ourselves, uh, building a treasure in us that cannot be taken from us, that we will have for an entire lifetime. And we thank you for this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, two very important foundations that I like that we should have as a mindset of why I should be in the Word of God. One of them is from Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. And here it says, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, these people were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the Word of God with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. How about that? These were noble-minded people, and one Bible translator calls them of finer spirits, because they didn't just hear Paul and Barnabas, they looked to the Scriptures for themselves to see if this would be true. What does this mean to me? And that is really cool. I, it's been said over the years, we should be Berean Christians, like these folks in Berea. Uh, that's, that's a common expression. Uh, in other words, they took the things of God more serious and wanted to search them out and examine what they were taught and what they were reading. Wow, bravo. So should we. So uh, this should be us, more noble-minded, more serious of a finer spirit. So that's why we have teachings like this here on Wednesday nights, and I would like to make Berean Christians of you all. So as the Berean Christians, our goal should be, my other point, is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, add the New King James here, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Wow, so much is in this verse. First of all, the concept of a worker. Do you realize we're workers in the kingdom of God in his field. And if you're a worker, you have to have tools. Very strange workers don't have tools. This is a tool. My Bible's my tool. It's one of my tools in my, in my tool chest here, or my tool bag. And uh, I should be using my tool. And I should be diligent to make sure God uh, approves of my study of the Word of God. I don't want to be looked at as the lazy believer, but the uh, uh, ardent 
a believer that is hard at work studying in the Word of God, and the Lord approves that kind of behavior, that kind of uh, pursuit, and that, that I wouldn't be ashamed in how I handle it. Some people, the way they handle Bibles, my gosh, they should be ashamed of themselves with their poor understanding of the Scriptures. Um, then we would rightly would be dividing the Word of Truth. That is, breaking it up into the sections and doctrines to have understanding and teaching. NIV says correctly, handling the Word of Truth. I don't want to be sloppy with this. I want to be correct with this. I want to handle this with accuracy as best as I can. And uh, that's the concept here. So that's why we have messages on how to study your Bible, like tonight and next week. Um, Bible study doesn't require a PhD, and it shouldn't be a mystery to us. Rather, we should always remember, uh, you have your own personal journey with the Lord, your own personal walk with the Lord, and He is your teacher that He wants to have a, a, a lesson with you, a, a, a give and take with you, that you can uh, receive from Him things that your life can be enhanced, this side of heaven, in ways that it could not be if you're not in the Word of God. So Holy Spirit then becomes our teacher. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, as for you, the anointing which you received from him remains in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But his anointing teaches you about all things. And it is true and not a lie. And just as it is taught you, you remain in him. So Holy Spirit is our true teacher. Yes, the Lord has placed teachers in the body of Christ. But they hopefully work with Holy Spirit so that Holy Spirit makes the connection inside of you. If I'm bringing anything to you and anything I would speak and it resonates with you with a, oh yes, thank you Lord. I didn't do it. That was the Holy Spirit being your teacher, confirming what you heard and what you should accept. So let's take a look at this tonight. So why would we want to study our Bibles? That's a very good question. It should be a good question to ask. It's actually a twofold purpose. The first is for personal enrichment. Well, that's easy. And the second is that we would be effective in our service for the master. That was the Timothy scripture that we handle accurately the word of truth. So personal enrichment and effective in our service for the master. That's your really two main reasons. Everything can fall under those two broad categories. Oh, but I like reading my Bible. Okay, that's personal enrichment. Uh, but I need to share this with my family. Well, that's service for the master. So let's look at personal enrichment first. Um, I need Bible study for me. I need to get to know Holy Spirit better who wrote it. Um, did you know that when you're studying the Word of God, you're fellowshipping with Holy Spirit in truth? That is a really cool thing. How do you do that any other way? In truth. You can do it in the Spirit if you speak in tongues, but in truth, no, you have to go to the Word of God. So I need to assure my own salvation for me. I need to convince myself because the world I live in, it lies to me daily. My body lies to me daily. I need to see everything through the truth of the Word of God and make that my truth, not what others are trying to bring at me that doesn't agree with the Word of God. <clears throat> I need to learn the mind of God that's been revealed to me. Did you know that when you're reading the Word of God, you are being exposed to the mind of God? Wow, the thoughts of God? I better read this more carefully. Wow, that is a heavy, heavy thought. Who can know the mind of God? Open up the Bible and find out. So if you want to know Jesus as your, as your Savior, you want to know the Word of God. 
if you know Jesus as your Savior, you really want to know the Word of God. So we want to handle it accurately. I'm holding here the most important writing in human history, and it's mine. Thank you, Jesus. And not a product of men's minds. Amazing. Men under the inspiration of Holy Spirit wrote down words. Now, first comes the, uh, the uh, revelation from heaven. Men put it on paper. That's called inspiration. But when we, put, when we put it into our hearts, that becomes now real to us. That now is mine in my heart. Something happened from the hand of God in eternity to my heart. That's an amazing thing. Um, so, uh, so much for personal enrichment. So, personal enrichment here. After that, I've assured my own salvation. I need to know how to represent Christ to others. I don't want to be a dummy. I don't have to be a scholar, but I don't want to be a dummy. For I want effective service for the master. So, all those I come in contact with, the Word of God is my guide. How do I parent? How do I be a husband? How do I uh, help people when they're having challenges in life? They don't need my opinions. They need the truth of God's Word presented to them in a way that can help them and give them the real spiritual comfort that only the Lord can give. Uh, some people, my gosh, the way they handle the Word of God is horrible. Very funny. Everybody remember uh, the Medea movies? Tyler Perry? Before Tyler Perry made those movies, he did plays. And they're very hard to find, but we knew a Christian who had his original plays on, uh, on VHS tape. He was very young then, very th <laughs> looked a lot different, but the plays were a little different. And um, he took some of those themes and put them into his movies. But anyway, he has this one, he has this one play where um, her, his, her, her good friend, Medea's good friend, uh, brings her daughter to Medea. You got to help my daughter. She's having all kinds of problems. She's 13 years old. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to say to her. Don't worry, I know what to say to her. I go to church. So she sits the girl down, she starts talking to her, and you hear Medea, and she doesn't know what she's talking about. I, mean, I think she has animals talking to each other on the ark. I mean, it just like makes no sense. And, and you can see she knows she doesn't know what she's talking about. And finally, the pastor comes to the door. He's doing home visitation. Oh, pastor, come on in. You need to talk to this girl. I sent her half the way to hell already. And she'd release the room real quick. Yeah, we shouldn't be like that. <laughs> we should know and even the girl is looking at her like, huh, what? Uh, she didn't know what she was talking about. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of people are. They, they're not able to articulate the things of God's Word because they haven't really put it in their hearts like they ought to. So, as we're looking to, at Bible study, first let's look briefly at Bible translations. What would be the best Bible translation for me? So, when we speak of the Scriptures, we're not talking about King James, New King James, NIV. We're referring to what's called Old Testament Chaldean Hebrew and New Testament Conine Greek. Anything else is a translation of the original. Some of our translations are meant to be very accurate, but sometimes they don't read so good in our modern English. Um, uh, so it's best to have word for word as best as we possibly can. Others are paraphrases. They're meant to help us in our reading and understanding. So, the original Bible languages <clears throat> are turned into what's called receptor languages. That is the language the Bible is translated into. So, when we go from the original language into a receptor language, we experience something called historical distance. That is the difference between the original language 
and the receptacle language. It has to do with the meaning of the words, the grammar, the idioms. I don't know about you, but I didn't live in the first century. It's a different culture to me. The culture of the day, the history that's going on at the time, that's kind of lost in translation, if you would. We have to look a little deeper. So therefore, there's different theories of translations. The first is called literal. This is as close to the original language as possible. It's a very good intention. Um, it tends to read, though, at a much higher reading level. And a lot of people aren't at that reading level today, unfortunately. New King James is an example of uh, close to literal as possible. New American Standard, for example. Then the other one is called free or paraphrase. This is where we don't translate as much word for word. We translate ideas, but without the exact meaning of the words. It flows better. It reads better. It requires a lower reading level. One problem is you could lose the original meanings of the words when they're uh, translated, and men's theologies can get in the way. That's a very common problem. Uh, very popular free or paraphrased Bibles are like the Living Bible, the Message Bible, the Good News Translation. They're all very common paraphrases. There's a lot of them out there. The next one is very odd. It's been called a missionary translation. It's how missionaries would do this. It's called dynamic equivalent. What that means, you find equivalent words in the current modern or culture that expresses what the Bible is saying. It may not be exactly what the Bible is saying. It tends to read well. It's very culturally relevant. But a problem again, you can sometimes lose the original meanings of words and sometimes men's theologies can be imposed. Uh, the NIV translation is a dynamic equivalent translation. That's how it was intentionally translated. It's not a literal translation, it's a dynamic equivalent. It's not a paraphrase. It's a dynamic equivalent where they're translating thoughts rather than literal words. And the last one is an expounded translation. This is where they try to draw as much from the original language as possible. They're very accurate, but they usually require a post-high school reading level. And Amplified Bible is a classic example of that. I think it's the best expounded Bible I ever saw. Uh, and when, when we talk about different reading levels, um, Bibles read at different reading levels. The NIV translation reads at a seventh grade reading level. Uh, the King James reads at a 12th to 14th. Uh, grade reading level. Amplified Bible, college level. So if you have folks, and there's no shame in it, if they just don't have a high reading level, they got a problem. And they need a paraphrase translation to help them. And unfortunately, you tend to lose the original meanings of words when you do that. Uh, and beyond, you know, uh, translations, there's many types of Bibles out there. Uh, what do I mean? Uh, if I said to you, I have a hammer, I didn't really tell you much. Hammer is a very generic word. Well, what type of hammer do you have? Uh, do you have a framing hammer? Do you have a masonry hammer? That would tell me a lot more. So hammer is a very generic word. So are Bible uh, translations. Uh, so one basic, one is the basic translation. Your ba this, that's what I happen to have right here. It's a basic Bible translations. It's no frills, no notes from the publisher, just basic references when you're reading. Just basically reading the Word of God. I happen to like that the best, personally. That's just me. Uh, then there's the study Bibles. Uh, they are, the best advice I can give you is that when you have a study Bible, is make sure you read the introduction and the explanatory symbols, because they explain why that Bible is put together the way it's put together. And there's many different types of study Bibles. 
There's the annotated Bible. That's really complex. Uh, that has a lot of footnotes, a lot of marginal notes, reference notes, things like Dake's Bible, Open Bible, uh, Thompson Chain Reference. They're all annotated Bibles. Then there's commentary Bibles. These are Bibles where a popular Bible teacher has put their own notes in it. Uh, there's a Kenneth Copeland Bible, Kenneth Hagen Bible, uh, Ryrie. Uh, is it Charles Ryrie? I think it's Ryrie. Ryrie is a very famous Baptist teacher. has an extremely popular Bible with his notes in it. Uh, then there's combination Bibles. They have the annotated and the commentary combined. They're very popular today. Spirit Life Bible, Word Study Bible, Holman Master Study Bible. No Bible has more notes than the Master Study Bible. <laughs> Open Bible. Uh, uh, Pastor Jim, some, other, some others that you... Fire Bible? Life Application Bible is another one, right? Yeah, they, they, you pick the translation you want. They're usually New King James or whatever, NIV, but it has all those notes, uh, notes attached to it. So those are very popular with a lot of people. I don't particularly use them, although I do like the Open Bible very much. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a very personal thing. What works for you? And then there's a lot of specialty Bibles out there you've probably never even heard of. There's loose leaf Bibles that you can literally take it out and photocopy it to make all kinds of notes if you want and you don't hurt the original page. There's wide margin Bibles that have literally huge margins if you want to put a lot of notes in. There's parallel Bibles where you might have a New King James on one side, NIV on the other side. Uh, there's uh, chronological Bibles. Because the Bible is not laid out in chronological order as you're reading it. It's laid out topically. A chronological Bible puts everything in chronological order. You won't be able to find anything in it, but it's very interesting to read. Well, because it's all put together differently. Uh, and then there's a, a gospel harmony, for example. If you want to study the gospels, it all, puts all four gospels together in chronological order as they happen. Really cool. That's a really nice tool to have. So the big questions for people to ask is, well, what do I buy? comes to a Bible. Well, you got to see what's best for you. It's, you know, not everybody wears the same size shoes. It's, it's, what, what, what fits you best? You have to ask yourself questions. What translation do I like? That's your very most first important question. What size print do I like? Large print Bibles have come from heaven. Angels brought them down. Uh, so what kind of a study helps do I want? Uh, some people want a lot of study help. Some want none. Will this Bible get a lot of use? If this is a really daily reading Bible, you should buy it in genuine leather so you don't beat it up so it lasts. It's worth the money. But if it's going to be a Bible just as a reference for yourself, buy it in hardcover. Save the money. Uh, do you have enough room for notes? That was always a big deal for me. Uh, so a lot of these are questions you want to ask and see what best fits you. Or just talk to other people in church. See what they have. See if you like what they have. Don't take it home with you, but see if you like what they have. Uh, okay, then we want to also point out here, um, you, you should have an accurate translation Bible for your daily reading, not a paraphrase. So New King James is a good choice. New American Standard is a good choice. Something that's very accurate uh, so you get exactly without men's opinions what the Word of God is telling us. That's, that's an important thing. Um, another point to make here is you should own other translations to bring clarity when you're studying your Bible. You should always own an Amplified Bible. It ought to be a law. Everyone ought to own an Amplified Bible. 
And you should at least have one paraphrase Bible uh, that just help you. Because sometimes you're reading some scriptures and you go, I'm not sure how if I'm understanding what this is Beats was saying. If you go to an Amplified and a paraphrase, usually it clears it up right for you. Um, regarding the uh, commentary Bibles, um, make sure you don't study the commentary notes more than you do the scriptures. The commentary notes have no life in them. The scriptures have life in them alone. Amen. <clears throat> and keep in mind, translations are not perfect because we don't speak Hebrew and Greek. So, uh, you want to have more than one translation. That's always a good idea. So, that's just some advice. So, let's move on now to Bible study. Uh, if I could have the ushers, please. Hand, I have a handout for you tonight. They're going to get to you. Um, this could take hours. So, I just have tonight. So, I want to do some basic options to consider. There are many ways we can study our Bibles. Uh, different ways produce different results. Now, I've done this before, and I need at least six hours for this. I don't have six hours tonight. So we're going to have a, a very basic understanding of study just to introduce it to you. The handout I have for you will go in more detail than what we could do tonight. So I found out my notes don't entirely agree with the handouts you have, so we're going to use the handout. For some reason, the handout was better. I just realized that. So, when you get the handout, it's coming to you. Uh, it's talking about 10 types of Bible study. How about that? Did you know that? There's 10 basic types of ways to study your Bible. Some of these you might love. Some of you are like, nah, that's not for me. Oh, that's okay. Find out what you like. Um, they're in no special order. Okay, the very first, does everyone have it so far? Anyone not have a handout? And those of you who are listening on podcasts or watching on live stream right now, and you say, where's my handout? Uh, you, they're going to put them online. Uh, yes, Kemi? How many weeks do they need? Two weeks from now? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. This week, you're going to hope? Okay, just be safe. Give Kemi two weeks. Uh, so it'll be online that you can download it. So there you go, on our, on our website. All right, first type of Bible study we have here is the survey study. Now, this is an an overview of approaching general themes and key points of information, the general flavor of the Bible. This is what our Bible school does. Our Bible school is a survey school. And uh, we want to know things like, why was this book written? Why was it accepted as canon? Canon means an, uh, from the Holy Spirit. Officially, this is the Word of God. Because uh, over the centuries, that used to be a big argument in churches especially in the early centuries, what is the Scriptures and what's not? I mean, when Martin Luther questioned everything, there were books he wanted to throw out of the Bible. <laughs> and he later changed his mind, praise God. Uh, but yeah, so that's a big question. Then what's the historical setting? I don't live in the first century. I don't live in centuries past. What was it like for them at that time? Because a lot of the words that they speak, people in their century would understand it. I don't live in agrarian culture. I don't do farming. And a lot of them are farming examples, etc. I don't know anything about that. A lot of words about sheep. All I know is they're cute and they smell, and that's about it. I don't know anything else about sheep. I'm not real fond of lamb chops, and that's about all I know. But uh, hey, it was a big deal in the settings in those books when they're talking about sheep, because people understood that. Uh, the prophetic setting. How does this apply to what God is doing in the years ahead, in the mind of God, in the uh, course of uh, God's dealing with man. 
What are the messianic or Christological settings? In other words, how do I find Christ here? What points to Jesus? That's real important. Real, real important. How does this fit into the overall scheme of the Bible as a revelation to man? What, what about the styles of writing? If I'm reading Psalms, I'm reading poetry. If I'm reading Joshua, I'm reading a narrative historical book. Not the same type of writing. Obviously today, people don't really read poetry very much. And that's a sad thing because that's lost. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Lamentations of Jeremiah, Job. Wow, those are all poetry books. And it has to be approached as poetry. When you're reading Job, it's like you're reading a play. You're reading the script of a play. People come on and off stage. Wow. So if you have that understanding, you're reading quite differently. Okay, and uh, it could be a section of the books, just the Gospels, maybe you want to look at, or a particular book. So that's a survey type study. Next, we have a book study. Uh, um, this uh, is a survey approach, would also fit very well here, what we just looked at. And when doing a book study, I remember one Bible teacher from England had said, read, 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 read. Read the book over and over and over again, and then start to ask questions. Don't try to read it once and then try to figure out what it is. Read it and read it and read it and read it and then start to ask study questions. Now, a, com a side comment here. A commentary can be real helpful here. Uh, Barclay's Bible Commentary, the Daily Bible series, has been around for years. It's very good. You can buy them in paperback, one per book of the Bible. Anybody here who's old enough like me to remember uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen? Hands up. Who remembers Bill Bishop? Thank you. Obviously, he was Roman Catholic. Bishop Sheen used Barclay commentaries, a Protestant commentary to teach out of. Bet the Catholic Church didn't like that. <laughs> but he thought, this is good. This is easy to understand. This is how we study the Word of God. I'm like, good for you, Sheen. I like you. And uh, so, yeah, this has been around a long time. I have the full set. I go to it frequently. If I have sometimes want to learn a little bit of about of a book I'm reading, really easy reading. Uh, I don't agree with Parkley 100%, but good guy, did a wonderful job, wonderful service to the body of Christ. And they're not expensive either. Um, okay, so you want to ask questions too when you're looking at a Bible book. Who wrote this? Well, that means everything. Who did he write it to? Who's was supposed to be the recipient of this book? Was it supposed to be Jews? Was it supposed to be Gentile believers? it'll have a different flavor. Um, so is it written to a person, like the book of Philemon? Or is it written to a church, like Ephesians? Uh, where did he write this from? Sometimes the setting that he wrote this from can mean a lot. Um, so where did he write this from? When did he write it? At what point in the first century? Is this early first century, latter first century? Obviously, books that Paul writes in latter first century, he's writing with a lot of wisdom of what he's seen in his whole life of ministry. Why did he write the book for? What's the purpose here of writing this book? Like when you're reading Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he's answering questions that they sent him. And when you read very carefully, he says, now concerning this, now concerning that. He's like answering questions one after another. That helps you understand why you're reading this. What were the circumstances the author was under? Was he in prison when he wrote this? Was he on vacation? I'm just saying, what was the circumstances? What's the theme of the book? What's the big picture here that's being said? Uh, who are the central people in the book, if there's uh, certain people mentioned? 
How would you divide this book up? Certainly you can divide Romans into several sections and you'll understand it a lot better. And as we flip the page here, so we want to work down from big to small. We want to break the book down into sections, break the chapters down into sections, and if you want to, break the verses down within a chapter. Then you need to ask, how does this compare to the whole Bible? James is a very unique uh, letter that we have in the New Testament. Very practical, very different from anything else that you read in the New Testament. And then you want to classify certain topics here. What doctrines are being taught here? What are the teachings here? Uh, Barclay would be a good help with something like that. All right, the next type of study is called a topical study. And it basically means pick a topic. The blood of Christ, the cross, heaven. Pick a topic. Then what you want to do is go to a concordance. Now, concordance is a book you can buy that has every single word in the Bible in alphabetical order. And it shows you where the scriptures are for that particular word. And both in the Old and New Testament. So that's very helpful in finding out if I want to look at like heaven, for example. I can look at heaven and see where all the scriptures talk about heaven, for example. Um, so Bible concordance here is a good place to start and look those references up. You can look up the original meaning of the words in the original languages there. You don't have to, but you can. You can compare scriptures with each other. You got to be very careful that you don't take things out of context when you do a topical study because you're jumping from book to book and you need to read within the context of what's written. You could easily misunderstand something. So because of this, that's the most common area of abuse in Bible studies. The cults are famous for that. Uh, so um, you got to be very careful not to take things out of context. And then you question what is not taught on this topic? Now, for example, there, if we're looking, if we're studying death, there's a false teaching out there called soul sleep, which means when you die, you cease to exist until the resurrection. But when you go to Paul's uh, words, he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Notice he doesn't say to be absent from the body is to sleep for 10,000 years. Thus showing you a comparison here. Now, soul sleep is not taught. Sorry, wrong. So anyway, that's, things like that are a big help there. Now you have here the big or. That's a mistake. Don't trust computers. That should be number four. And that should say biographical. A biographical study. Now in a biographical study, it's simple. Pick a person. Who in the Bible you want to study about? Oh, how about Samson? All right, you pick the person. So you want to read all in the Bible you can about that person. A concordance can be a big help there. You want to analyze what kind of character this person had. Samson was a playboy. Samson made a lot of mistakes in life that cost him dearly. Finally, when he came to his senses, he was greatly used of the Lord. So where did he succeed? How did he succeed? Why did he succeed? How and where and why did he fail? The Bible is very honest about people's lives. It doesn't hide anything. There are amazing stories in the Bible of incest, jealous murder, uh, uh, selfishness, uh, incredible uh, cruelty to other people. The Bible's honest. It, tells, it shows you what fallen men without Christ live like in that state. It's honest. And uh, so you want to find out, why did they fail? What difficulties did they overcome? If it's an Old Testament book, um, what other books outside the Old Testament and the New Testament might speak about these books? 
What lessons can we learn from these books? You know, it tells us in Romans that the things that are written in the earlier times are for our instruction now. So when we go in the Old Testament and read in people's entire lifetimes, we can learn and glean from them things that I want to copy and things I don't want to copy. I want to be a Daniel, but I don't want to be, uh, you know, Joseph, uh, Joseph's, uh, uh, not Joseph, uh, Jacob's sons who persecute each other. <laughs> we don't want to be like that. So uh, lessons we can learn from other people's lives. And then there's types of allegories and types. And that's the next study, types, uh, which is a typological study. And the definition of a type is, it's a study of symbols or allegories in the Bible or a literal person or an event that could have a symbolic uh, meaning that points and illustrates the truth. The Bible is filled with allegories. The Bible is filled with types. Um, types can often show you here in areas of Scripture that you're reading that look dry in the Old Testament, uh, that they're really not dry, especially the book of Esther, uh, what that can show us when we teach it in Bible school about the types in there. Um, book of Revelation, a lot of symbolic language in the book of Revelation. And that helps us understand it better. Now, there are some Bible teachers out there that don't like types. They don't like typology because it's been abused so much. But it's definitely biblical. Paul used them. Just look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says the rock was Christ. Wait a minute, Paul. It was a rock. No, he's using it as an allegory. So he used types and allegories. I guess it's okay. Um, if they're Old Testament types... They must illustrate New Testament truths. The furniture in the tabernacle will illustrate the redemptive work of Christ as an example. Uh, a type must be in harmony with all of Scripture. So you have to be very teachable here. Maybe sound off with somebody who knows more than you know. Uh, so that you're not doing something that you're coming to a conclusion that the Bible just doesn't teach. And there's enough of that out there that we don't want to do. And you want to pursuing known types that other Bible teachers use. Uh, there's a safety in doing that. But some people love typology and some don't. It's personal. All right, flip the page here. Number six, we have the chronological or historical study. Pick a topic. I want to study the life of Christ. I want to study the life of Paul. Well, find books to help you with that. If you're studying the life of Christ, obviously you want to get a gospel harmony, which puts all four gospels in chronological order. I was just talking to a brother in the Lord tonight. Um, he was saying when he was young in the Lord, people would tell him to read John first. Yes, of all four Gospels, John is the only one that assumes you're a Christian before you read this. All the other Gospels are trying to convince you of who Christ is. They don't assume you're a believer. Only John assumes you're a believer before you read it. Very different flavor. Very different premise. And that's an important thought. Um, so anyway, the chronological or historical studies are, 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 are really fun to have. Uh, okay, number seven here, a chapter study. Uh, sometimes there's a particular chapter that's important to you personally. Maybe it's 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Maybe it's a psalm. Uh, so what you want to do is read that chapter through different translations. And then you want to divide up the thoughts of the chapter. What are the sections in it? Now, sometimes your Bible will do that for you. If you look very carefully at scriptures, when it mentions them, one, two, three, four, five, you'll see some are extra bold. That means the thought has just changed in this chapter. 
It's telling you there's a chapter change happening. And you'll see that in your Bible. Most Bibles do have that. Right in the, uh, Romans chapter 8, for example, you'll see several, when you look at the verse markers, all of a sudden they're real bold. That means the thought just changed in the chapter. So that's real helpful to know. Uh, so you divide the chapter into thoughts. What doctrines are taught here? Are there prophecies? Are there commands? Um, what original audience was this meant for? Are there key verses here? Key words? Paul is full of those. So a chapter study is very, very helpful. Or you could do a verse study. You want to look at a particular verse in the Bible. There's always three ways to read a verse. Literally, what does it say? Prophetically, what does this mean in the plan of God? And and applicable, how does this apply to me personally? If you take John 3.16, for example, it does all three. It literally says what it says uh, to teach us. There's a prophetic aspect of Jesus' mission. And I can apply it to myself that God loves me and wants me to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So we want to read the whole verse here. Remember, don't take it out of context. And under letter C here, let's delineate what the verse teaches. Break it down to an A, B, C, D. If you go just this far, you did real, real good. Most people, if they study a verse, that's as far as they go. And that's fine. That's really fine. Wonderful. But if you want to go deeper, uh, D, we want to watch out for those little words. They have such big implications. The word and, that means a connection's being made. With, by, by means a direct product of. In, if, whoa, that's a biggie. That's a conditional. So, so is a conclusion indicator. Anytime you see the word so, it means a conclusion is being drawn. I need to pay real close attention. So what's the conclusion? Um, Look to alternative Bible translations to give you clarity. Um, If you want to, you could examine the original grammar uh, in the original languages. That takes a little bit more study. So if that's over some people's heads, I get it. But you can learn. It's not hard. But some people are drawn to that, especially if the Lord's given them a teaching motive gift. They're going to want to do that. Uh, So you can have two people who love the Word of God, and one has a teaching motive gift and can't wait to get to the original Greek meanings, and the other person doesn't have that gift and goes, why? (laughs) I don't want to do that. So that's okay. Number I here, don't look for hidden meanings. Oh gosh, sign of mental illness. Don't look for hidden meanings. I was at a conference one time for prayer, and the the guy who led the conference was a very fine man of God, Um, and he said that would anybody like to make a comment always be careful when you say that well this guy gets up this older guy he takes this scripture totally out of context in the book of Matthew and he tells us that the Lord had shown him that Jesus is going to send 747 jets to take the body of Christ off the earth at the rapture and we're looking at him, oh geez aren't you glad you asked would anybody, have a and he said, would anybody like to comment on that nobody said anything and the guy said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Come on, 747 jets, give me a break. No hidden meanings like that. that, that, that that's idiocy. So uh, don't look for hidden meanings, please. Th- th- a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. Uh, okay, uh, you want to contrast and correlate it with other verses. You can do that. Um, again, that takes a little bit deeper study. Contrast means how they differ with other verses. Uh, correlate means how they relate. And those are different ways to study 
a particular verse. But again, if you go as far as C, you did really good. And just breaking the very basics of a verse down. Next, we have the word study. This is far more in depth. You're taking a particular word and looking it up in the original languages. Because in, here in the example, it's Romans chapter 8, verse 14, which is the word sons. There's different words in Greek for sons. And one of them, this word, means a mature son. So if I had two sons before me, one is six years old and one is 17 years old, I could say these are my sons, but obviously there's a world of difference between them, an immature and a mature one. We hope the 17 is mature. And uh, so uh, that means a lot. So when you look into the original meanings here, you see in Romans 8.14 is the Greek word weos, which means a mature son, not a child. And you can correlate that with other Bible study books that I'm not going to talk about tonight. You can read that for yourself. Uh, this isn't for most people because you do have to buy some study books. But if you're into that, and if God has led you in that area, hey, you are going to have a gold mine to go through. And it's really fascinating. So that's a word study. Okay, next page. Uh, you can also take a word and study it exhaustively in the Bible. So you might use a word that's in English and you want to find all its Greek equivalents. Let's say the word love. Okay, I want to find out what all the Greek words are there for love. Or you go to the original language and find out that one of the words for love or agape Wow, how many times is agape used? And what does that say? That's a whole teaching unto itself. You can do that. You find the original meaning of the word, find where in the Bible it's used. A concordance will do that for you. How it relates to other words. You find there's multiple words in Greek for love. They all don't mean the same thing. And then you draw conclusions. And it's always good to keep a notebook or a study book on your word studies that you do. Um, I have years past on that, kind of didn't pursue it anymore, but I still got my notebook that I put together. So, hey, it's, it's a great opportunity. Again, those who have a more teaching motive gift will want to do something like that. The other ones will go, I'm not doing that. And you don't have to. But if you want to, that's an example. And the last one I have here, number 10, is a comparative study. This is where the Bible comments on itself. In a comparative study, we find similarities between the Old and the New Testament or between different biblical writers, maybe contrasting John with Paul. They're very different how they write. So you pick a topic, go to your concordance and search it out. How about covenants in the Bible? Uh, how does Old Testament Israel, spiritual Israel, correlate with the church? Technically, that is the church in the Old Testament, spiritual Israel. Um, then you compare people, maybe. Joseph in the book of Genesis is the strongest Christ type we have in the Old Testament that describes the life of Christ. Wow, that's a fascinating study. You look at Joseph's life, you look at Jesus' life, it's shocking the similarities. Uh, compare books, maybe Paul's prison epistles. Paul wrote books when he was in prison, uh, First and Second Timothy, Titus, etc. So you can look at those and see a different flavor of writing. Um, or you can compare Paul's style with John's style. That's just an example. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. So these are just different types of Bible study. But you might find something here that interests you personally. 
anything to do better in getting with the Word of God. Maybe just something simple as study a book one at a time. That's simple in itself or a particular chapter. Uh, so, uh, so we looked at here, wow, a lot of ways to study your Bible. Do you have to do all these? No. Can I just read my Bible? Yes, of course. But, you know, as you're reading the Scriptures, they talk to you, and you're going to want to know more. You're going to want to see deeper what it says. And uh, that's when you want to study a little deeper. And it's an exciting thing to do. It could be three or four people getting together over coffee in the morning and uh, having their own Bible study. That's something that could be done using a Bible study Bible. Hey, great. These are things we want to see encouraged, right? It's a great fellowship, great way to get to know the body of Christ. We absolutely learn from each other. Real growth in Christ doesn't happen here. Isn't that a shocking statement? It doesn't happen here. It happens when you leave this building and when you rub shoulders with one another. And you learn from one another how to walk out this Christian life. And we teach one another. And we learn from one another's examples. Follow me as I follow Christ. Or, huh, I don't want to follow that person. I'm going to do the opposite. Things like we learn from one another. And we learn, well, what scriptures are important to you? Why do you like them? And we start to learn from each other. That is where real growth comes, not here in these walls. It's what you do when you're outside these walls with the Word of God and with one another. We should do that. Uh, men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, youth Bible studies, Bible studies for the elderly, all kinds of Bible studies. And uh, it's going to be really great. Um, so I'm just presenting to you tonight, as we kind of bring this to a close here, common ways to study your Bible and how it can be done. Uh, how and what you choose to do when you go to study out your Bibles, that's between you and Holy Spirit. And that's fine. No one's going to look over your shoulder and, what are you studying today? God forbid anybody talks like that. You know, uh, we're not out to earn brownie points from God. Well, he'll love me better if I study. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. Uh, you'll, if you'll want to know more of the things of the Lord. That, that's, that's good. That's good. And we're not out for pride. We're not out for bragging. I study more than you do. You know, God forbid we meet people like that. Uh, so I just want to encourage you tonight just to get the most out of your Bibles as you can. That you'll have a love for the Lord your God with a whole heart and love your neighbor better as a result of studying the Word of God. And this year we do have a focus specially on that, reading your Bible through in a year or just pick the New Testament. Uh, you know, this kind of goes all along with that theme. Uh, that's living an inspired life. When I'm in the Word of God and I'm studying it, I'm inspired. I'm getting inspired when I have the Word of God uh, on my lips. We study some of the silliest things in life, if you ever think about, that have no value in eternity. And this is the only thing that has value in eternity. So it's something I think we want to take more serious. So, so one day we're in the presence of the Lord in eternity. Father God is never going to look and see what we had in our heads. But he sure will look and see what we had in our hearts. And he'll examine what fruit that we bore as believers in the generation that we lived in. So we want to be used of the Lord in this generation that we live in. There's nothing more thrilling to know than the Lord used you. You left an imprint behind you. Your footprint was there. And that's an exciting thing. And those footprints are on other people's bodies. You stepped on them. You left an imprint in their lives. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, if you think of believers, you may have, if you've been around long enough, and you think of believers you may have known in the Lord that have gone home with the Lord, 
you appreciate them all the more than when they left. Like, wow, they touched my life in a real way, in a real tangible way. So give that away to somebody else. You do the same. That's what's supposed to be done. That's what's been done for centuries, that we share who we are and give ourselves away to our families, of course, to our children, grandchildren, and then to our friends and, and, and loved ones that we, you know, here's my faith with God. May it bless your life. But the Word of God is the key to it all. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your Word is the key. Lord God, that we would not treat it lightly, but Father God, treat it with all seriousness and intent as it should have. That Father God, we would be Berean Christians, men and women that are more noble, that we search out the Scriptures. And we thank you for this, Father God, that uh, you've given us this opportunity. You've given us this privilege. We don't want to throw away the privilege you've given us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.